I'd like to welcome the uh, Christian Motorcycles uh, Association Club. When I was a kid, at our family reunions, we used to go down to Gallup Bliss, Ohio, down by the river, and uh, we'd always have these big reunions down there. And when I was real little, I can remember one of my uncles was in a, a motorcycle gang. We, I call it a gang. It was probably a club or something. It's like we got a motorcycle gang, you know? How cool is that? And, and always about halfway through the reunion every year, they'd all come rolling in. Boom, 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 boom. You know, they all pull in there. And, and for some of them, like hide the women and children, you know, look out, you know, we're all here. And, they, you know, and for others, it was just cool. I can remember them pulling in the driveway, and I'm running down the driveway beside them going like this, you know. And how much fun it was. But they did a lot of neat things. I remember my uncle, who was a Christian, they were very involved and they're always raising money. Uh, a big thing for them, of course, was Christmas, uh, getting toys, giving them out. You know, they've been collecting throughout the year, and then that was a big thing for them to, to do that. So, I, you know, these types of clubs are just wonderful. And what an opportunity to reach, you know, the lost, to, to reach a, a community of people many times that others would look at and assume, I. Those people scare me. I don't want to get too close to them. I have a friend who's a pastor who uh, used to be in the mafia. And one of his ministries is to help lead men out of the mafia. Or men who have... You don't really ever leave the mafia, okay? And how to deal with that and how to... It's just, just fantastic. And uh, anyways, I, I, I just... I was so happy to see that. I came in this morning, saw the sign, and immediately I was like, oh, yes, Christian Motorcycle Gang's coming today. And I was like, wow. Are you going to run down the road by us? Sure, I'll do that. I'll go like this as you pull out the... Yeah. I get a good deal on one. Yeah, I can barely ride a bicycle. If I can do it. I uh, <coughs> ran across this story I thought was pretty cool. Uh, it's about a young soldier and uh, his commanding officer. They had uh, were on leave and they had boarded a train and they were, were heading out. And the only available seats on the train as they got out was directly across from a very attractive young woman who was traveling with her elderly grandmother. That was the only seats available. So they get on the train and then they sit down. And as they engaged in pleasant conversation, the soldier and the young woman kept eyeing one another and the attraction was obviously mutual. Suddenly the train went into a tunnel and the car became pitch black. And immediately two sounds were heard, the smack of a kiss, followed by a whack of a slap across the face. <laughs> so they ran out of the tunnel and light came back on and they're sitting there and the grandmother's sitting there thinking, you know, I can't believe he kissed my granddaughter. But I'm glad she gave him a slap. That's what he deserved. And the commanding officer sat there thinking, you know, I don't blame the boy for kissing a girl, but... It's a shame that she missed his face and hit me instead. <laughs> the young girl thought, wow, I'm glad he kissed me. 
but I wish my grandmother hadn't slapped him for doing it. <laughs> As the train broke into the sunlight, the soldier could not wipe the smile off his face. He had just seized the opportunity to kiss a pretty girl and slap his commanding officer. <laughs> now that young soldier, he knew how to seize an opportunity. He saw his chance and he took it. He knew how to seize the day. I always, uh, at this time of year, you know, everybody's going back to school. God bless all you Clark County teachers. You're already back at it. Up in Champaign County, we got a few more days to ease it back into the year here. And, but when I was a younger teacher, to get inspiration about this time of year, I'd always watch Dead Poet Society again. Many of you older folks know that film. Many of you younger people are like, what? Dead Poets? That sounds like a boring movie. Oh, I love that movie. One of my favorite actors was in it. Robin Williams, you know, Captain, my captain. And uh, sometimes, you know, in, in the film, you know, I love the scene where he takes the kids down to the, the first time he had met the kids, they go down to the, like, the, the entryway, and there's all the class pictures and the, and the trophies and all this, and he gets them in there and says, look in there. Everybody, everybody looks in there, and, uh, you know, they're, looking at the faces, and Robert Williams is like, look at them, boys, you know. You know, they're all gone now. What kind of life did they live? You know, what kind of life do you want to live? I often do that at school. We have a place in the high school now where we have class pictures. Um, going back to before, Graham was consolidated in one district. We used to be several little buildings, Westville, uh, Christiansburg, and there was some other. And I found one the other day hanging there, the class of, I believe it was 1912. <clears throat> and you stand there and you look at those faces, and you look at those people, and you, and you think, you know, that, that kid in that picture right there, that was a hundred years ago. He's gone now. He's not any older than any of the kids that are going to be coming into my building here next week. I think about them and I think about these, these people who have gone on. And, and you know, I have to ask myself, what, what kind of a life did, did they lead? Was it a good life? Was it a life filled with tragedy? Was it a, you know, did they know Christ? Did they, it, it, just a lot of questions about these types. Of, it didn't matter that they even existed. It's the only sum of their life, just a little picture hanging in the, in the hallway. Is that all that we'll ever have to remember them by? Did they seize the day? If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to start with this. And I know I've been hanging out in Ephesians, seems like, the last month or so, if you've been keeping track. i got to pick a new letter, I guess, to move on to. Anyways, Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 15 through 17, and uh, Paul is just giving them some, uh, some advice here, some instruction. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, 
because the days are evil. So that do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I love that, that, idea, that idea there. If you look there, what does this mean, unwise men? And we're not talking about intellectual ability here. It's not intelligence. Unwise men, I mean, that deals with, you're getting into the realm here now of people who are unbelievers, the, the deeds that they do, they live apart from God, they live against God. First uh, Corinthians says they can't even comprehend the truth. The book of Romans describes them as they, they, they can't understand the true condition that they're in. In other words, you know, Paul's asking us here, we're to live lives every day as someone who wants to make the most of their time. We live in an evil world. It wasn't created that way. It became that way because of sin. But here we are as Christians in this world, and God is asking us every day, make the most of it. Don't live as the unwise. Don't be foolish about it. Make the most of your time. Now the Greek word for time here denotes a fixed, measured, allocated, specific season or time. Time. Okay, it's not like uh, time out. You know, not that kind. No, a specific moment. And we're to make the most of that moment on this earth and fulfilling God's purposes, trying to line up our opportunities you know, for useful worship and, uh, you know, in service to God. And again and again in Scripture, we're reminded of the brevity of life. I go back to the film, you know, and one of the, the lessons he's trying to teach the kids is, look guys, you're only here for a little while. You got one shot. What are you going to do with it? What's your legacy? Are you going to be more than just a picture on hanging on the school wall? I had a student the last few years. He was a he was a rough kid. He was no saint. I mean, he was a pretty uh, he was a I don't want to call him a bad kid. I don't believe in bad kids, but he was very troubled and he caused a lot of trouble. And um, I remember I had a few conversations with him about what are we going to do to get you straightened out. I want you to look beyond where you're at now. To you, you do have a future. You know, I'm thinking in my head, God has created you in His image. He has a purpose for you, a plan for you. And this kid was just like, I, I, you know, I don't want to do school. I hate school. I don't want to be here at school. It ain't going to help me. I don't have a, a chance anyways. I was very, very saddened to find out that this young man was shot and killed about a month ago in Huber Heights, there was a shooting, 19-year-old kid, shot dead. Apparently it was a, some sort of a drug deal thing, and he was the wrong place at the wrong time, and he got gunned down. And how sad it was, all the times he told me, I don't need school, I don't need school, and I, I would try to tell him, you have a few, I guess he was right. He was shot down dead. Right there in the street. How brief life can be. And how tragic 
a life was ended. A, a, a kid who, who probably never understood that he was created in the image of God. That his birth into this world, despite how tragic it may have been, it was not an accident. It was created. He was created for a reason. God wanted to give him a future and a hope. And how tragic he never got to see that. We're to make the most of our time on this earth in fulfilling God's purposes. And for all the busyness in our life, you know, are we really getting anywhere? Are we, are we, are we doing anything? Are you, where are we going? We're busy, 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 but what are we actually getting done? Is there a purpose for it all? For a lot of people, your happiness, your fulfillment in life, it depends largely on other people. How do other people treat me? How do other people respond to me? If you treat me well, then I, I get fulfillment out of that. It makes me feel good. But if you treat me bad, well then I, I feel bad and I must not be good. A lot of folks feel that way. Our circumstances kind of dictate you know, our feelings of, of, of self-worth. You know, there's a lot more to life than just living and, and dying. I hope that, you know, someday in a hundred years from now, uh, you know, if somebody sees my picture on the wall, they'll laugh at it. Say, Man, he looks stupid. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? He was a pretty good guy. They, they, they say he did some this and that. You know, I'm not trying to win anybody's praise, or but I would hope that my life meant something. Let's turn to John chapter 21. I'm going to turn to a, a story that is often used in other ways, but I'm going to put a spin on it today. This is about a man who is struggling with the meaning of his life, wondering probably, did it matter? Did uh, anything that I do really matter? And we're talking about Peter. And uh, John chapter 21 picks up after the crucifixion has occurred. Jesus has risen from the grave. He has demonstrated His power, His victory over death, His victory over sin. He's even met with the disciples. You have the story, you know, Thomas, like the, the people were, you know, and all that, and... and, and and Jesus had uh, had shown him the nails, holes, and the look, look right here. You know, really, I got stabbed. It's, it's me. But all through this whole time, you have Peter, who probably feels very, very stunned, probably very happy, but very depressed, very regretful. What had Peter done before Christ had been crucified? Denied him. Three times he denied him. After bragging to the other disciples and everybody else, Lord, I'll never leave you. You go to death, I'll be right there with you. The Bible says a young girl was accusing him and he wilted. He was like, I don't know the guy. So I'm sure he's feeling pretty bad. Man, all the things that I did, all the travels that we had, all the, 
amazing things that I've seen you do. And I've denied you three times. How can you possibly use somebody like me? I've wasted my life. When we pick up here John chapter 21, you know, the gospel message it really is a story of love. And I think Jesus specifically wants Simon Peter to understand this, to know this. And so he, he sort of takes them aside and uh, in John chapter 21, we'll start at verse 15. Now Jesus has shown up. The men were out working. They, I mean, after Christ had died, in the meantime, they had all gone back to their job. And Peter was fishing again. I'll tell you what, let's start at verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And the fish likewise. So they're having breakfast. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now comes the moment for Peter. So when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. When I was a kid, I heard this story. And I'm like, why did he ask him three times? Once enough? I mean, I used to get in trouble for asking questions again and again and again. Hey, why are we, why are we doing this? Why are we going to be quiet? Yeah, you know. Here's Jesus asking Peter you know, the same question three times. Some people have, have explained it that, look, Peter denied him three times, so Jesus was making a point here. He's asking three times, one for each denial. Maybe, I don't know. Others explain the idea of Jesus is driving home the idea that being a follower requires total commitment, unswerving loyalty. Are you really in, Peter? When trying to understand what love is, that makes the day worth living. It's helpful. Let's take a look at this. Verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now the Greek word here for love is agape. You all have probably heard the word agape. In the English language, we use the word love for a lot of different things. In other languages, they have different words. You know, I love my wife. I love my kids. I also love pizza. Now, hopefully it's, you know, I love to coach. I love to, you know, we use love in a lot of different ways. But the Greek word here for love is agape. And agape love is that self-sacrificing type of love. I'm going to put you before myself 
I'm going to set my needs aside. I'm going to take care of you. Uh, years ago, I preached a uh, thing about uh, single moms and how single moms every day have to work for the kids and get the kids and take care of the kids and get the bills paid and do all this other stuff. Basically taking their whole life and, and stopping it, putting it on pause and working for the, the better of other people because they're putting somebody else first. That's agape love. So when, when Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Do you have a are you willing to, to follow me despite the cost? Are you willing to put your, your own needs second and follow me? That's the kind of love that he's, he's talking about, the self-sacrificing love. And it's interesting, he says here, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, who are the these? Who are the these? You know, some people say, well, it's the other disciples. Some people suggest, uh, in an interesting take, a little book I read this week, suggested perhaps Jesus was talking about the fish. I mean, Peter had gone back to fishing. They'd sat down for breakfast. They'd brought in the fish. They're sitting there, they're done eating, and Jesus is like, you know, Peter, you love me more than more than these? The old pile of fish. Perhaps Jesus was asking him that, do you really love me this, or do you love that more than me? Your job. Do you love what you do more than you love me? Are you willing to self-sacrifice and to give and to put things aside for the sake of your job? Or, or would you reserve that for me, Peter? Peter, do you, do you really think you're going to find purpose and meaning in life casting nets into the sea? Do you want to give your career, your total dedication, and sacrifice yourself in the name of your job? Now, for many of us, we're proud of our jobs. I'm very proud to be a teacher and a coach. And we try to, and many of you are proud of the jobs that you do. I'm not here to, to get on the bandwagon of, well, you got to love Jesus more than your job. Well, you ought to quit your job, and you ought to quit your job, and, or whatever, and go, go to Africa, be a missionary. Not necessarily true. God calls us all for different things, He calls some of us to be a teacher. As much as, as I love pastoring, and I, I would love to be your pastor, I am a teacher. I love kids. That's my job. I like to be with kids who don't know Christ so that I can maybe somehow try to get them on the right path in my own clumsy, klutzy way. Maybe possibly. I think that's what God has called me to do. But I have to ask myself, do I love that more than I love the gospel? Do I love my gospel? I don't have time to go and talk to these people. I don't have time to go to the hospital and visit so-and-so because they're sick. Yeah, I've got to do lesson plans. 
Maybe those lesson plans can wait. I don't know if that's what Jesus is really saying here to, to Peter. Peter, do you love me more than, than this? It's not a sin to love your job. You go back to Ephesians. We're asked to be wise and walk as wise people. Understanding that the days are evil. But your job can easily distract you from your real purpose in life. You're a Christian. If you're a Christian, your purpose in life is not to throw nets into the sea. It can easily distract you, which is the, the real reason to love God, to worship Him, to love others as yourself. But for Peter, Peter was put on this earth to be more than a simple fisherman. And Jesus is asking him, do you love me more than this existence? You know you do, Peter. Verse 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, shepherd my sheep. Again, he uses the word agape. Simon Peter, do you agape me? You know you do. That's why I'm asking you to shepherd my sheep. I know you denied me three times. I know you ran off and wept bitterly. I know you feel bad about it. But that's not... Let's not confuse the issue. You're not meant to just run off and be a simple fisherman. You were put on this earth. You love me. You're going to be Simon Peter, Cephas, the rock on which the church will be built. You have a mission in life. Verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him, do you love me? Now, I always wondered, well, what was it this time that made Peter grieve? Was it the fact Jesus kept badgering him? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter's like, ah. Sure enough, I took a close look at this. The word for love is not the word agape. The, word, the Greek word that is used here is phileo. Phileo is a more common term for love, it means affection, fondness. Like someone, do you like me? Will you be my friend? You know, that, that kind of thing. Will you like me? That's the kind of love that Jesus is asking here. Not simply, Simon, for the third time, do you love me? No, Simon, are you my friend? Are you my brother? And I love that Jesus brings it up, and that is the moment that, boom, I can imagine, you know, the tears start coming out of Peter's eyes, and when he asked that, I'm not asking you if you, agape oh, love me, you know, totally sold out to Christ. That's a wonderful thing. I'm asking you, do you, are you my friend? <laughs> do you have a, do we have a fondness for you? Do we like each other? To me, that's the best part of the story. Jesus asked Peter if he loved him three separate times. The first two times, the Bible used the word agape. That's love not based on the merit of a person's of love, but rather unconditional, based on them as 
Look, you're a Christian. I have an unconditional love for you. It's kind. It's generous. It continues to give even when the other is unkind. Responsive. When they're unworthy. It only desires good things for the other. And it's compassionate. You take it over. I yell, I yell loud enough. You do. <laughs> I yell loud enough. You just want you on the recording. Oh, okay. Oh, you podcast people here. Jesus asked me three times, do you love me? Anyways, agape love in the first two, it's kind of like customer service. And if you ever worked retail, where you have to be nice to people even though you don't like them? <laughs> Kayla's told me stories like a cone corner, you know, you'd be there and people would come in and Dustin used to work there. People used to, I don't like them, this isn't right. Blah 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 blah. And you're like, oh, here, let me fix this for you, you know, good customers. You know, that that's sort of a an agape kind of love. Hey, let me serve you. You know, thank you, sir. Man, I have another, you know, that, that kind of love. But the third time. That Jesus asked Peter if he loves him, he uses that Greek word phileo. Fondness, affection. It's brotherly love. It's friendship. And I believe that the Bible is asking us to go deeper and deeper in how we express love to others. Now I, by nature, you can probably tell, am a feeler. You might call an empath. I have a lot of empathy. I... Some people, it could be a blessing, it could be a curse. I just seem to really be in tune with people's feelings. I know just automatically kind of how, you know, people are feeling and what's going on. Um, other people that I know and love are, I mean, they're thinkers. They don't worry about feelings. My son Cody, he's not here, so I'll pick on him. He, uh, he was a work. And uh, they were trying to be real nice to this, this, this kid who was learning the job, and, and uh, they, were, he, they just weren't getting it. Finally, Cody just blurted out, why don't you knock it off, you big cow, or something. I was like, holy cow, what a rude thing to say. Cody's like, oh, I don't care. I don't care. Wow, well, you're a thinker, all right. You have zero feelings and empathy for anybody there. I don't want you for a boss someday. Holy moly. But it really connects there in verse 17, you know, where Jesus is asking Peter to get first. Peter, do you really like me? Do you care about me? Do you have an affection for me? A high school and middle school kids struggle with acceptance and love. They struggle with that all the time. Constantly posting pictures of themselves, trying to get affirmation. Do you love me? How many likes can I get? People who don't get enough likes, they don't feel good about themselves. There's a real longing out there for the phileo type of love. Friendship. We need a balance of both kinds of love. Both agape and phileo. And I'm convinced that going back to our, really our subject here, is if you're going to make the most of every day, if you want to make the most of your life, it's not so much about what kind of job you have, but who do you love? Who did you love? Christians are called to love. Yes, we're called to discern. We're not to judge, but we are to discern good from evil. But we are at all times to demonstrate the love of Christ to people around us. 
Now once Jesus got Peter straightened out, once he helped Peter understand that yes, I in fact love you with an agape kind of love and a phileo kind of, of love that you know, he helped Peter to find the meaning and purpose of his life. Peter, you're to be Cephas, the rock on which the church will be built. That's your purpose in life. Not Peter the great fisherman, but Peter the rock who would go on to lead and build the early church. As Christians, we're called to a higher purpose. Now, yes, we have to live and make a living. It's part of our culture and society. I had to laugh. We were doing this group bonding thing in school last year, and uh, some training session. They're like, we need to find passion in life. What is your passion? This one guy was like, my passion is, uh, I love music. And they asked uh, my friend, what is your passion? He goes, art. And they asked another guy, what's your passion in life? And he goes, my passion is to put food on the table for my family. I really don't have time for any other kind of, you know, kind of threw cold water on the whole thing there, but but it's true. But as Christians, we're called to a higher purpose. We're not to just be defined by what it is that we do, or even by our past. We are called to be separate from the world, to display the gospel in our lives. We're to lead people in a growing relationship to Christ. And I am convinced that the way to do that is to demonstrate both agape, and phileo types of love to one another and to the lost. And I know that both types of love don't come natural to everybody. Some of you just aren't warm and fuzzy people. Some of you are prickly personalities and you know, but that's alright. I know some people like that. I also know they would lay their life down for me. I know that they love me. You know, if you're struggling with the meaning of life, if you're asking yourself, what does it matter? What have I done to make my mark in life? You know, I would challenge you to examine your life and to ask yourself, do I demonstrate the love of Christ to others and in all the things that I do? I think there's immense meaning to be found in demonstrating love to others. You may be the poorest person and have nothing to share and nothing to give, but if you love somebody, you've made a difference. One of my favorite teacher memes is this, uh, this idea that, you know, a hundred years from now, it doesn't matter what kind of car I drove. It's not going to matter how much money I made or how big the house was that I lived in. But the world might be a little bit better because I meant something in the life of a child. That's how you define success and meaning. What have you given of yourself to other people? I think back to my, my film, Dead Poets Society. Robin Williams challenges the boys to think about how are you going to make your life not boring, not even, not even mediocre. How are you going to make your life extraordinary? As a Christian, to me, it's not so much, you know, what am I doing that's extraordinary, but who will I love in extraordinary ways? 
That's why I love this, this clock. You probably know people and love people who love motorcycles who may not be the most warm and fuzzy people. And many people may be frightened. But you may demonstrate an extraordinary type of love to these people. What you do matters. That's where meaning is found in accepting the love of God into your own life and learning to demonstrate that love to other people in your life. If you do that, your life has meaning. You have purpose. How could you ever think otherwise? I would encourage each of you to challenge yourself to show both kinds of love to someone this week. That's your homework. That's what I want you to do. You've got to find somebody, demonstrate agape love to them. Remember, that's love that involves faithfulness, commitment, an act of the will. You know, it's doing something for someone, not because you want to, but because it's necessary, kind of like when Christ sacrificed himself on the cross. Find somebody, demonstrate love to them by giving up of yourself and do something for them. Demonstrate that type of love. And then, as Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you convey a strong feeling of Brotherly love? I'm not talking about romance. I'm not talking about erotic love. I'm talking about brotherly love. It's about showing compassion for fellow people. It's about caring for somebody. Respecting them. Showing them respect. Showing compassion for people in need. Here's something easy. Write a, write a note to somebody. Somebody you haven't talked to in a long time. You know, I just was thinking about you... Wow, you're a great person. I sure miss you. See ya. Give somebody a hug. Tell someone, that, you know what, I really respect you. I really appreciate you. Jimmy doesn't know this, but on a... Coach Pence back here doesn't know this. On Facebook, I took a picture of him the other day. We were out, out in the rain, laying down field, laying down lines. On a football field, because we couldn't get anybody in the athletic department to do it. So, you know what? If we want lines, we're going to have to do it ourselves. So we're out there putting down lines. Here come the thunderstorm. And we could see it from the middle school, looking at St. Paris. You could see it over the town. Just this wall, this massive wall of rain coming down. And then it got closer. It was at the railroad tracks. And we're like... I'm practically running across the field with a paint sprayer. <laughs> we got to get this done. And then we fill the sprinkles, and we just got finished. And I didn't show Jimmy very much of God Bayer for Layla. I ran to the truck at 100 miles an hour. I jumped in. I was nice and dry when it cut loose. Here's Jimmy on the 50-yard line trying to get to his truck, just kind of, oh, I can't move. I'm going to drive out there and get him, but I'll tear up. No, he stopped, pour down rain, he's winding up the cord, you know, I said, Jimmy. So I took a picture of him, he's getting in his car, it's just pouring down rain, he looks drenched. And I put it on Facebook, because I know Jimmy doesn't do Facebook. I said, this is my, this is my friend Jimmy, look at all the things that he does for, for the kids around here, it's amazing. I probably got a hundred responses.
Just, you know how wonderful Jim is. That's agape, paleo, type of love. You know, at the end of the film, Dead Poet Society, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, he does this, uh, this little quote, I think it was Walt Whitman, and it's really true. And, you know, he tells the kids, look, we don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because, look, we're members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. Oh, yeah, we've got to have medicine and law and business and engineering. These are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, friendship, love, these are the things that we stay alive for. And that's just so true. There are more practical professions. But is that really where the meaning of life is found? It's found in love. I want to wrap up with a quote from Walt Whitman. And yeah, we used to have to read this in high school, and it was like boring, and then I had to read it in college, and it wasn't getting any better. Somewhere around in my late 40s, I suddenly, you know what, I'm just going to read a little bit of this. And I think it was Leaves of Grass or something I was reading. I said, Man, you know what, this guy really gets it. And a quote from Whitman. Oh me, oh life, of the questions of these reoccurring, of the endless trains of the faithful, of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these, oh me, oh life? What in the world is he talking about? And the answer to that is, look, you are here. You exist. And because you exist, you have an identity. And as, as Mr. Keating told the kids, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for all of our friends who are here today. All of those visiting us, Lord, we love them. Help us to pray for them in their ministry. Help us to demonstrate love to one another, Lord. Let us be a loving church that demonstrates agape love, phileo types of love to those people in our community and those around us. Do not be afraid to tell a brother, I care. Lord, we love you today. May you be glorified in this body and in this church. It's in the name of Jesus that we love you today, Lord. Amen.